Morning television. It's a medium built upon being the relaxing background music to your pre-breakfast routine. A light fusion of news, entertainment, and weather, wrapped up with soft furnishings and ambient intro music with the melodious alto of a Scottish woman never far away. Carol Kirkwood and Lorraine Kelly Hollow. Hardly a bastion of excitement, but such tranquility is fertile ground for a disruptor, and there's perhaps nobody more deserving of that adjective than the one and only Piers Morgan. In his five-year tenure as a lead anchor at Good Morning Britain, Morgan managed to offend pretty much everyone. From his well-documented friendship with Donald Trump to his rallying against the idea of gender fluidity. He seemed to relish his position as agitator-in-chief, streamed directly to your living room every morning. His raison d'etre is his adversity to wokeism and the strictures, real or imagined, it places on his freedom of speech. He turned his platform on GMB into a controversy machine, mutating the format into something more urgent and anarchic. In the process, he helped machinate a rating surge, turning, for better or worse, a run-of-the-mill morning program into must-see television. This is a man with a plan, and his plan, it seems, is to cancel himself. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Cam, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately canceled. It's Monday, March 8th, 2021. The mood on social media and the country at large has been febrile of late, but by virtue of the fact that we have little else to do. The UK is in the midst of lockdown number three. The vaccine rollout is going smoothly and there is, to use a hackneyed phrase, a light at the end of a long and shitty tunnel. It's a heady, if rare, moment of national optimism. But Brits don't like optimism. They like savage spectacle and The Weeknd had provided much material. Meghan Markle, erstwhile Duchess of Sussex, and her husband, the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, have just released an interview with Oprah where they frankly addressed their decision to leave the positions as serving royals. It was pretty ballsy. Not since the Princess Diana Panorama interview has something like this happened. Here they were, prominent figures who had endured the worst excesses of the British tabloid press being forthright enough to set their version of events straight. Aside from the now mythic, were you silent or were you silenced? Two messages echo above all others during this interview. That an unidentified royal had asked unsavory questions about the potential color of their baby's skin and the intimation that Meghan, thrust into the colossus of the firm, felt so unsupported that she had considered suicide. This interview airs stateside on Sunday evening, and by Monday morning, the British press is aflame. At the center of the anti-Markle campaign has been veteran journalist Piers Morgan, who offers a reliably rambunctious dismissal of claims made by the Sussexes in the interview. His denouncements of, I don't believe her, 
As Susanna Reed, his beleaguered co-anchor, makes a point about taking mental health seriously, is the match that sets alight a furor of outrage online. And so begins what may have been the 412th attempted cancellation of Piers Morgan. But this time, he decides to play along. Morgan is no stranger to outrage. It's become a part of his brand. He is bombastic to no end on his Twitter page and in the TV persona he has cultivated. But how did he get here? And why did he choose Meghan Markle as his hill to apparently die on? Well, it started on Fleet Street in 1988. Morgan is hired by notorious editor of The Sun, Kelvin McKenzie, to run the Bizarre column focusing on pop culture. McKenzie spots what is to become a hallmark Morgan trait, his seemingly boundless capacity for self-publicity. And whilst the young journalist professes no real interest in pop music, he effortlessly ingratiates himself into the landscape of London society. Morgan himself says of the time, quote, I became the friend of the stars, a rampant egomaniac, pictured all the time with famous people, Madonna, Stallone, Bowie, Paul McCartney, hundreds of them. It was shameless, as they didn't know me from Adam. End quote. An exorbitant rise follows. He accepts the editorship of The News of the World at age 29 from Rupert Murdoch, becoming the youngest national newspaper editor in over 50 years. And what's striking about this chapter is the way he departs. Morgan chooses to publish photographs that breach the editor's code of conduct, leading to a public rebuke from Murdoch, who feared legal reprisals, and spurring Morgan's decision to leave the news of the world for the Daily Mirror. Piers Morgan has tugged at the edges of what the tabloids could sustain for the first time. Whether he ducked out to save face or was pushed is anyone's guess. But this maneuver, stepping cleanly across a line and then running to the next pitching spot, is something Morgan will do time and again throughout his career. And fulfilling Kelvin McKenzie's prophecy, he will do it without apology in a way that amplifies his profile. So back to Megan, who has come out and said that the pressure from the British tabloid press pushed her to have suicidal thoughts. Piers Morgan's immediate instinctive response is to say that he doesn't believe her. Maybe in another moment, this comment would yet again have been attributed to Morgan's trademark contrarianism run amok shtick. But in the crucible of a mental health crisis exacerbated by global lockdowns, the backlash is seismic. And this time, it isn't just trial by Twitter. There is a distaste for his comments across the political spectrum, and Ofcom, the broadcasting regulatory body, receives over 40,000 complaints. As complaints rise, so do ratings. This is a tool employed by Morgan throughout his tenure. The more outrageous his take, the more viewers tune in. He makes much of this. He touts his anchorship as being responsible for trebling the ratings of the once ailing morning show. And he's right. Whether it's people who agree with him or people who can't stand him, there's something about him that gets people on board by virtue of the fact that they don't really have a clue where he's going next. His ability to get people watching, even if it's to scream objections at their TV set, is what gets him so much mileage. This time, however, something is different. Could it be that Morgan has gone too far? The tradition of the British tabloid press is a distinct one. The so-called red tops where Morgan cut his teeth aren't named for their bloodletting, but well could be. 
controversial, titillating. Their descriptions as newspapers could be a slight misnomer. Many of their pages are dedicated to celebrity gossip, and their coverage of current affairs is slanted toward the extreme. And sometimes they'll just make stuff up. The most egregious example of this is the Sun's coverage of the Hillsborough disaster, where, under Calvin McKenzie's editorship, a false narrative was spun, depicting Liverpool FC fans as close to savage in the midst of the tragedy, something roundly disproven but never fully apologized for. For a long time, this sensationalism is confined to this small but popular segment of the media. Then, in the 2000s, something strange happens. It's the advent of tabloid television, and Piers Morgan finds himself benefiting from the boom. Attempts by Morgan to break into presenting have thus far been limited, but he finds his niche on reality TV. America's Got Talent and its British equivalent are breakouts of a genre that finds much of its hype in embarrassing, unsuccessful hopefuls by way of public shaming, much in the way the tabloid gossip columns had done for years. Morgan extends this foray into television by winning Celebrity Apprentice USA, where his friendship with Trump begins, landing a nightly talk show on CNN and launching Piers Morgan's Life Stories for ITV. His self-promotion, mooted by McKenzie in his early years as a journalist, has finally paid off. He is at the peak of his career, and his penchant for sharp-tongued jibes so suited to the reality format becomes his staple. Morgan is an open defender of the tabloids, and why wouldn't he be? He is, after all, a tabloid creation himself. But not all aspects of his editorship at the Daily Mirror are up for discussion. A point of particular prickliness is his purported involvement in the phone hacking allegations that rocked the tabloid press in the 2000s. Morgan has denied any knowledge of this under oath, but the Levison inquiry, set up to investigate, concluded that his testimony was utterly unpersuasive, and that while unprovable that Morgan authorized the phone hacking, he was clearly aware of what was taking place across the tabloid press as a whole. It's interesting that at the very same time as this inquiry was taking place, Morgan was rocketing to the peak of a broadcasting career. The less than favorable findings did nothing to dent his success, and his fervent reposts of this on Twitter were found to be comical. Of late, Morgan has taken to blocking people who bring up the subject, but in a way, it is as much a driver of his success as anything else. Here is a man who, it seems, is expected to be able to do or say anything and pretty much get away with it. Never apologize. Self-promote. Win the ratings, and you've won. And it's this attitude, so evident throughout Morgan's career, that once again defines his final morning on GMB. Tuesday, March 9th. The international media, rocked by the Meghan and Harry interview, is a buzz from the fallout and Morgan knows it. His own comments disregarding Markle's mental health issues have received less than favorable coverage across the pond. He begins the show by qualifying his comments and stating that he takes mental health extremely seriously. Then, at 6.38 a.m., something strange happens. Weather presenter Alex Beresford pitches in with a repost to Morgan, confronting him for his comments and alluding to the fact that Morgan, who had a prior friendship with Markle, may feel slighted by being cut off and that this is a motivation for his unrelenting criticism of her. When Morgan walks off set, Twitter explodes, the ratings skyrocket. Later, Morgan returns to his seat, but that day on GMB is to be his last. 
A statement is issued that evening confirming that Morgan has left. But has he been canceled? The crucial ingredient to Piers Morgan's success is his ability to surprise. It's a Trump-esque kind of quality, defying the popular gravity that has sustained his career. You never quite know what he's going to say or do next. Morgan knows this. From his time at the tabloids to his transition into reality TV, he knows that people are entertained when they don't know what's coming. So when he walked off set that day, it's impossible not to entertain the possibility that the subsequent explosion in ratings and coverage and his eventual departure from GMB played right into his hands. Of late, Morgan has been a bulwark against cancel culture, denouncing purported attempts to cancel him by limiting what he can say and do. Never mind that he spent five years as the host of a flagship morning program and enjoys a prosperous media career and a large social media following. But for just a moment that day, it seemed as though maybe he had. We buy into what people say too easily. Of course, Piers Morgan hasn't been canceled, but the fact that he wants us to believe he may well have been and that we are so ready to rejoice or commiserate at the possibility is evidence of what a savvy broadcaster he is. Subsequently, Morgan is interviewed by Tucker Carlson, a Fox News pundit. He claims that his reason for departing GMB was pressure from executives to issue an apology. This, he insinuates, is the beginning of a one-way road to being unable to express his opinion and ultimately to being canceled, sacrificed up to the altar of wokeism. So he jumped before he was pushed, a martyr to the cause. His supporters will nod in haughty agreement at this statement. He, he should be able to express his opinion. He's entitled to say what he thinks. But here's the thing. He is. He was absolutely able to do all those things, did so without restrictions for five years, and will likely do so again on GB News, his new gig. In his Carlson interview, he launches a passionate defense of freedom of speech and of its central tenet being the ability to recognize that opinions of which you disagree should still be entitled to be professed. It's something most fair-minded people would agree with. But Piers Morgan, famous for dishing it out, can't seem to take it back. Perhaps that's why Meghan Markle is so offensive to him. She doesn't just sit back and take it the way the tabloid press believe people should. She fights back. Alex Beresford fought back. They dared to contradict him, and Morgan didn't like it. This is not being canceled. This is freedom of speech and action. The fact that Morgan has spun this into an attempted coup against him, the woke brigade succeeding in stripping him of his rights, is sensationalism worthy of the pages of The Sun. People eat it up, and he reaps the rewards. This episode was written by Anton Ferry. This is a Broccoli Production.